You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. What's up, Captain's Coach listeners? I am Luke Poulos, the host of the Captain's Coach podcast, and today my guest is Coach Brigida Palantino, the head women's soccer coach at Curry College. Brigida is in her second year at Curry, and we talk about some of the challenges of being a new coach, especially in a situation like her that neither her nor her players expected. We also discuss the importance of having a family culture some unique resources that she has found in terms of leadership development for her players. I especially am a fan of what she has done in this area. And the story of two captains who really illustrated to her the power of great leadership and who have influenced her focus on leadership development with her teams today. Brigida also mentions a book that you may remember from the last two interviews, The Energy Bus by John Gordon. So please do yourself and pick up a copy. If you want to learn more about Coach Palatino's team and what they are doing throughout the offseason and beyond, please go ahead and give them a follow at cc underscore w soccer. And of course, give us a follow as well while you're at it at Captain's Coach on all social media. That's Captain's with an S and Coach on all social media. And without any more delay, please welcome Coach Brigida Palatino on another episode of the Captain's Coach podcast. Hey, Coach, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hi, Luke. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of your show. Yeah, yeah. Always happy to have uh, a wide variety of coaches. You know, the last two guests, we've had a brand new trash. And our our last guest, Coach Kostecki, uh, first year coach at at Bard College. And now we have you in just your, your second year at Curry. Um, so I think the best place to start is, you know, how are things going and what are some of the, the fundamental principles of, of leadership development and, and some of the kind of the things that you guys are doing at, at Curry to really promote leadership development? Um, so like you said, I'm in my second year leading Curry um, and we do a lot more than just soccer that I think fosters um, leadership and empowers leaders within our team. Um, and we do that, we develop them all year round. Um, so it's not just when our team is in season. Uh, so we do a lot of trainings in the spring, um, a lot of workshops. Um, I guess in terms of fundamental principles, I think we focus a lot on creating a family dynamic um, and we focus on our family and looking out for each other. So I think that in itself creates a positive team culture uh, where people do wanna step up and lead um, and support each other. Uh, So I would say that's probably our biggest focus is focusing on our family. And when you focus on your family, you can start to create leadership within that. Yeah, family is such an important value to have in any organization, especially a team organization. Then, you know, obviously in sports, it was one of the three uh, fundamental principles that we had at at Army Lacrosse was was family, along with uh, tradition and toughness. So 
it's it's been a common theme with many of our guests that creating a family culture is one of the most important goals when it comes to their their organizational development. What are some things that you guys are doing now in the off season, um, whether that's meetings, team workshops, team building exercises, or anything like that, maybe behind the scenes that really promotes that kind of team cohesion and family development? So um, when our season ends, we every player gets a survey uh, that targets different leadership traits. Um, so some of the questions on the survey include who's the hardest worker on the team, who stays positive um, in times of challenges, who stays calm and composed under pressure, um, and just looking at different leadership traits. Um, and through that survey, they name their teammates and they can name themselves. Um, and from that, we collect a, a core group of leaders um, throughout all grade years to undergo leadership development in or out of season. Um, and what that out of season leadership development looks like, we use Jeff Jansen's, um, the team captain manual um, as our book that we go through with our leaders to develop captains within our team. Um, but we use that leadership survey to then identify a core group to work with in the spring or in that out of season. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And the, the exit surveys, again, it's another thing that's just been a common theme. Uh, just the last couple of guests we've had seems to be something that coaches really like in terms of getting the players to talk about their teammates and not necessarily, Hey, who do you think will be a good leader? Who do you think is a good captain choice, but who exhibits and consistently shows certain valuable values and character traits on and off the field. So I think that's a very uh, productive way of going about it. Um, and then you, you guys are kind of taking a step forward, not just using it for your captains, but for leaders in every class. How many, how many uh, players per class do you guys usually take on in those leadership roles? So in my uh, first season with the team, we ended up having, it was a lot, we ended up having 12 players um, undergo leadership training. Uh, so we had four from each grade year. Wow. Um, and this year, right now, we're going to have our, we have five juniors, rising seniors. So we're going to have our five juniors. And then we have a class representative, one sophomore and one first year to be part of that leadership training. So we kind of minimize the number, but still trying to get target different grade years to develop leaders within each grade year. Yeah, that's great. And I know you mentioned uh, Jeff Jansen's captain manual. I haven't heard uh, of that one. And I'm just going to give a, a shameless plug here for our founder, Ben. Ben's published uh, the yeah. captain's playbook uh, a couple months back. So uh, for you and for all coaches and, and captains out there, the captain's playbook uh, by Ben Smith is also uh, a very, very thorough guide um, yeah. manual and gives captains kind of a daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal kind of goal and checklist. I'm sure um, the the manual you're referring to has the same kind of thing built into it. Yeah, and that's great. And I think we always look to find other ways to grow and develop professionally. Um, and then same thing within the team is finding different resources um, and not one way is the best way, but looking right. to really continue to develop. And that's something that we'll definitely take a look at. Yeah, for sure. And then with that, that, that group of leaders in the off season, is that something do you guys meet with them on a regular basis? Is it some of them sometimes more of them other times, the whole team leadership development, how does that kind of break down throughout the off season? 
So with our juniors, we'll be meeting on a weekly basis um, and that'll be face-to-face -face, um, as an entire group, um, depending on their schedules. So we'll find a time that works for everybody. Um, and then with the, you know, the sophomore and first year representative, that extended group, that won't be as regularly, but still we'll be checking uh, potentially bi-weekly to see how each grade year is doing as well. So a weekly basis with our rising leaders um, and then for that extended group, um, just consistently checking in, whether it's face to face, whether it's text, um, phone calls and those types of things. Yeah, that's awesome. And is that, is that how you choose your captains for, for the next season or is there another follow on process to go along with that? Um, we get player input in the sense of they fill out, they, we don't ask them, who do you want your captain to be? Right. But again, target it to leadership qualities and leadership traits. Um, so it doesn't turn into a popularity contest. Um, right. So we get player input that we also get coach input. Um, and then in terms of the number of captains, you know, I think it depends year to year. Um, I've had three, I've had two. And with our five rising seniors being a, such a strong group, um, we'll see if we end up just creating a leadership group versus specific captains. Um, right. because we want to make sure we're enhancing everybody's leadership. Yeah, exactly. You want to get the most out of, out of the people you have. And I think sometimes coaches can kind of, corner themselves into a situation where if they have the same number year after year, after year you, you might be losing out on some of that leadership potential. And I think sometimes coaches that are stuck on having three or four and they really only have one or two good leaders, they can kind of soil that, that group and, and adding someone who may not quite be there yet, or, you know, may actually end up being a, a negative influence or just there out of, out of pure popularity, like you said. So I think being a coach and being a leader, it's definitely part of that is being flexible, especially as a coach and understanding what your team needs and what your team has in terms of strengths and weaknesses. So it's good. It's good to see that you have such a strong senior class and, and you've identified that and you guys have what sounds like a great culture already. What are, what are some of the other things you guys are doing. I know you mentioned a couple of the, the resources your your school has. Um, some of the things we were talking about before the show. What are some of those other things you guys are doing to kind of promote that leadership development in the team? So our campus community, we have um, in our Title IX department. Um, there's a training called restorative justice training, um, and with that, it's how do you manage and handle conflicts. Um, so that's one training that you know, I encourage um, players who might be interested in criminal justice, but, or players who we see as leaders um, to undergo that training. And it's a two day workshop um, in eight hours uh, where they learn how to handle conflicts within potentially a team environment or a roommate environment or potentially a spouse or significant other or partner. So I think it's, it's a training that they can use in their everyday life um, or within our team environment as well. So we have, I encourage players to undergo our restorative justice training that our campus provides. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome program from just the, just hearing you describe it now, that sounds awesome. And, you know, lip is one of those skills that is transferable across all spectrums, whether it be sports, 
family life, friendships, any sort of relationships, and then out in the real world when it comes to jobs, running a regular organization. And what part of it you as a leader and one of your biggest responsibilities as a leader on and off the field is being able to resolve conflict, whether that be on the field, in the middle of a game, in the locker room, relationship team, anything like that. Resolving conflict is going to be one of the toughest things you have to do. And you're going to have to make some of the hardest decisions you've ever had to make in those situations. So to have that training readily available to you, I'm sure that's just been great. Have you seen that in the, in the last two seasons, or is that something that um, you know is making a difference and you don't necessarily see it on a, on a daily or weekly basis? I think there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that doesn't even get to me, which is great. Yeah. Um, it shows that our leaders are equipped with the skills to handle um, conflicts that might, might arise. And if it ever gets to the point where it comes to me, um, which it really rarely has, um, but it just, it shows, I think that training is helping them manage and understand how to resolve conflicts within a team. Um, and I think that's, I, I, I've, in the limited time I've been at Curry in the two years that I've been there, it's, I've already seen a difference. Um, so it's nice to see kind of immediate results, even though results don't necessarily are always immediate. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and I think sometimes it's hard to gauge those things as a coach because, like you said, you're not hearing about it, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that's a good thing. But in your case, it sounds like it is a good thing that things are getting handled at a level. And it's usually a sign that things are going well in, in terms of leadership and your players being empowered enough to make decisions and have the influence uh, that they need to have to make them successful as individually as captains and leaders, and then as a team as successful as an organization. You guys worked with the the Marine Corps, um, and I know you mentioned you know obviously there's going to be a, a physical aspect to that, but I'm I'm curious to hear about what kind of leadership training or development that you that you've had them uh, work with you before. Um, so you're asking about the, sorry, cut out a little bit, the physical aspect? Well, I'm, I'm a, I said I'm assuming there's definitely a physical aspect to it, but I'm, I'm curious to hear about the, the leadership side because I know you said there is a little bit of a, a leadership aspect to the program that they're kind of putting you guys through. Yeah, and, you know, as a coach, I, I like to lead by example. Um, so I had the opportunity to – uh, do the coaches workshop um, down in Quantico uh, at the Marine base uh, and undergo kind of an insight into what the Marine Corps is all about. Um, and it was a select group of coaches uh, to learn about uh, the leadership skills that you, that you develop in the Marines, um, their culture, uh, the also the physical demands of what it's like to be a Marine. Uh, so it was a very unique experience. Um, so from having that relationship with our local representative and um, Providence, um, Captain Suarez, she's been awesome. Um, she's uh, run workshops with our team um, and it's amazing. She'll bring in her, her crew of Marines uh, and run a boot camp for our team. Um, and it's pretty impressive to see not just the physical demand um, that she puts them through, but also the mental I think is even greater. And, the whole message behind not leaving a teammate behind in anything that you're pushing through 
um, has been the biggest result in terms of creating our team cohesion. That's awesome to hear that you've leveraged a, an outside resource like that and brought it into your team. Because obviously, you know, the military has uh, a great background when it comes to leadership development. It's kind of with the military, physical fitness and, and, and leadership development is, is huge. So reaching out and again, coming back to leadership as a transferable skill, it's across all these spectrums. And, you know, that's awesome. And I, I encourage any coaches out there at the college or even the high school level, find somebody in your community, find somebody at your school that, that may have served. Sounds like the Marines down at Quantico, if you're in that area, are more than happy to take you on and do one of those coaches workshops. And I'm sure any team could definitely benefit from, from kind of the same thing that you all went through. Yeah, it's great experience for them to, you know, it allows them to unify. Um, it also sees who steps up to lead, um, who's pushing each other. Um, and again, who's, who's supporting each other. And then not only do you get the physical experience and the physical pressure, but just that mental side of being able to dig deep and, and push through and, and bring your teammates along the way. Um, I strongly encourage and, and recommend anyone to reach out to their local representatives um, and have them run workshops at their respective programs. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, it sounds like you got a lot of successful things going on at Curry just in your second year. So more power to you coach. Um, what has been the biggest challenge or, or maybe some challenges you've had in these first two years, whether that be in terms of leadership development or the culture or just anything in general when it comes to kind of program development? Uh, the biggest challenge initially coming in um, was it was an unexpected change. Um, I wasn't expecting to be the head coach at Curry. The, the players weren't expecting me to be there. And I think that initial shell shock of them receiving a new coach um, so close to the beginning of the season, um, I think it made us stronger and I think it bonded us because uh, I hadn't been expecting it and nor had the team. Um, so I think that was the biggest challenge is how to navigate a new campus, a new culture, um, a new environment, a new team, um, and how to quickly try and unify them so close to the season. Um, so that was probably the biggest challenge when I had first come in for me personally, but then also for the team um, is to try and build that trust. Um, and I think from that initial shell shock, we felt bonded pretty quickly because we realized we were all in it together and none of us had been expecting it. So I think it actually was a blessing in disguise the way it ended up happening um, because they started to realize how lucky we are to all be together and to go through it together. Um, so I think that had initially been the biggest challenge. Yeah, no, it's got to be, especially if nobody's expecting it, like you said you know, you think you have one situation and then you don't. And that's usually the cause of 99% of, of conflict is a mismatch between reality and expectations. And, you know, you guys were kind of put in that, that trial by fire uh, mm -hmm. situation, especially if it was so close to your, your competitive season. It sounds again, like you handled it well and, and, and your team responded well to it. So um, congrats on everything that you've, you've been doing well, obviously, thus far for these two years. And it looks like you're, you're taking the momentum forward as, as much as you can. Um, outside of the, the team, specifically with your captains, is there anything that you do with them 
after they're selected specifically for training or is there anything you do with them regularly weekly meetings obviously your first year um and, and your second season is there anything going forward you're going to do with them um, like i said weekly meetings workshops conversations anything like that specifically for your captains um it's just it's constant communication and i think that's what i emphasize the most um with having leaders is being able to trust each other but then to communicate with each other um so we like we meet regularly we meet weekly um, over the summer, we'll FaceTime. There's like group FaceTime, which I learned. Yeah. Uh, so when you're coaching younger people, you start to learn all the hip things that you're, yeah. they're doing. Um, so you can, you can FaceTime with multiple people in one call. Um, so we'll FaceTime over the, the summer to check in and see how things are going. Um, we always emphasize having them check in with the team in general. Um, so making sure everyone is doing okay. So just constant communication. Um, as a core, but then within our team. Um, and then in terms of workshops, like I mentioned, we use the Jeff Jansen. I'm excited uh, to look into your resources as well, um, but constantly looking at additional resources to continue to strengthen our leadership within our teams. We always look to do that. Yeah, the communication piece is huge. You know, all too often you hear about uh, coaches that, you know, you might see it they don't talk to their captains very often. They kind of just expect their captains to, to know what they're supposed to do. And, or by the other opposite end of the spectrum is they don't give them any responsibility. Don't give them any guidance. Don't really expect them to do a whole lot. And it's, it's really missing out. And that communication piece is huge for two reasons. One, you're constantly giving them the things to think about constantly getting a gauge at where they're at in terms of their leadership and their decision-making. And two, you're also getting a gauge on how the team's doing and you're letting them know, Hey, coach is looking out for us. Coach is asking us questions. Coach cares about us on a personal level, cares about our development. And that really does trickle down to the rest of the team for sure. Cause the way the captains respond to you, the way they interact with the team about things that you've done it, it, everyone feels that the, the relationships both ways. And when everyone knows the coaches and the captains are on the same page, it really brings everybody to the same page. If captains and coaches aren't on the same page, you know, the team is going to go with the captains and the coaches and the coaching staff is going to be, you know, on a different planet. So it's always good to like the communication piece is just a huge part of that. And especially when it comes to, to leadership development, and outside of just those conversations you have very frequently, how do you feel you make the biggest impact as a coach on your players and their development as leaders? I think um, caring and, and being present are the two areas um, where you make the biggest impact um, and just really investing in your people um, and going above and beyond for your people. I think that's where um it goes a long way and i think that investment in the culture that investment in the team atmosphere that investment in developing leaders all of that is going to make a big impact not just in their season and as athletes but then as they um you know are in their post-college years and um, re reaching back out to you and, and checking in and see how seeing how things are going so i think it's really showing that you care about them as people and I think that goes a long way in terms of developing them and to 
have them be successful after their four years in school. Yeah, the the empathy piece is so big. And it's, again, it's just another one of those topics and themes that's been present throughout all my conversations and all these, these episodes on the podcast is just the importance of showing the people that you're leading, the people who are your leaders, showing them you care outside of just what your, your job at hand is, whether that be sports or real life or in the military, showing that you have a care about them as a person, as an individual, about what's going on in their life. It, it, you just see the response immediately in when you do turn to the job at hand and how they respond to, to what you're saying, your direction, um, asking for input. People are way more invested in, in the team when you care about people as individuals. So it's, it's awesome to hear that is, is reflected in your program as well. Who do you think the two best captains you ever had, coached, uh, experience firsthand from your playing days and, and what made them so effective as leaders? Um, I'm going to reflect back uh, when I was an assistant coach at Connecticut College, my alma mater. Um, it was two years after graduating. Um, we had two captains. Well, we had three captains, but two senior captains and a junior captain. The two senior captains, Austri Kempinen and Grace Bilodeau, essentially led us um, to a championship. Um, and they did that. And it was the first time in the school's history. It was the first time in our program history, uh, to win a conference championship. Um, so it was definitely a historic moment, historic season, but reflecting back on their specific leadership, they held a team accountable. They trusted our coaching staff. They believed in the ability of our team. Uh, they were again, unified with our coaches. Um, they stayed positive and they inspired their team and they motivated their team and they weren't afraid to call players out who needed to be called out, but the team respected them. So they had that trust, they had that respect, and they also supported our coaching staff. And we had just all of those magical pieces that led us to win a championship in the school's history ever. So I think that I reflect back, we couldn't have done it without their specific leadership and what they were able to do and what they created. Um, so always for me, trying to develop leaders similar to reflect the Austries and the Grace, Graces of the world to, to help inspire our team and motivate our team that we can also achieve championships and programs that might be struggling as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And the first thing that comes to mind to me hearing, hearing back on your reflection there of those two ladies is the first tenet of leadership we preach at the captain's coach. You know, we have six tenets of leadership and the first one is everything rises and falls with leadership. And if your leadership's really good, you're going to see the successes. You know, there's a great quote that a team full of lions led by a sheep will always be defeated by a team full of sheep led by a lion. And, and it reigns true. Any organization you come across, if the leadership's poor, it doesn't matter how much talent you have on that team, it's going to crash and burn at some point. Uh, you might have short-term results, but long-term, it's not going to end up well. And vice versa, if you don't have the talent necessarily, but you have great leadership, you're going to see the results long-term down the road. At the end of the day, you're going to pick that team and that organization based on its leadership more than anything else. Because nine times out of 10, if those sheep are being led by a line, they're going to turn into sheep. And, yeah. and that's just it. 
And then the second part is the, the accountability. You know, we were talking about the empathy piece before. And again, with previous guests, it comes back to that, this balance of accountability versus empathy. When to turn the care on and, and really be personable and, and dig into how people are doing. But then there, you know, there's a switch and sort of a balance beam you have to play with accountability. And hey, I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what you have going on. This is what we're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it. Or hey, you know, what we were doing out there, me included, it wasn't our best showing. And it's that, that ability to kind of gauge, because another one of our tenants is, is leadership is, is an art. And it is really finding that, that balance, that fine tuning for every situation, because you can't have the same approach to every situation, whether it's every good situation, you can't have the same approach. Every bad situation, you can't have the same approach. It depends on the, the environment, the personalities that are involved and involved and, and what's going on. So that's a, a two great examples of, of what great leadership is from a coach's perspective and, and kind of the results you get from that based on leadership. Because I'm sure the talent level in that program year to year didn't fluctuate that much. But one year, the first year in program history, you win a championship and it just so happens that you have two of the best captains that you've ever experienced in your tenure of, of playing and coaching. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. No, and I think that's why I, as a coach, invest so much in developing leaders is because, I, like you said, you, could, you see the difference. Um, and again, short-term versus long-term, I think investing in the long-term gains is why we, you develop leaders within your program. And sometimes recruiting-wise, you can identify them recruiting um, but if you're not identifying recruiting, how can you help create and develop uh, when they are in your program? Yeah, exactly. It plays a huge piece. How, and speaking of recruiting, how does that leadership potential kind of factor in? What do you, what do you look for as a coaching staff in a prospective athlete? What do you look for in their play? What do you look for in their, in their conversations with you, how they interact with their parents? Is there anything specific you really look for to gauge that? We are very intentional in our recruiting. Uh, we're trying to identify the right people that fit our program. And that, of course, is a two-way street. Um, for me, I like toughness. I like grit. I like work rate. I like positive body language. Um, those are the things that I look for. Um, talent's always great, but can you see those other qualities um, in how they're playing or potentially how they're responding when things aren't going their way? Um, so on the recruiting trail, that's what we're looking for. But in terms of our program, I emphasize three specific things. So when they come into our program, they're not surprised or they're not deeply disappointed. We'd rather have them pleasantly be surprised. Uh, and for us, fitness is really important and fitness is always a positive. Um, we do a lot of fitness. We do fitness when we win, we do fitness when we lose. So for them, when we win on the weekend, hopefully they're not surprised when we do fitness on Monday. Or when we lose on the weekend, they're not surprised when we do fitness on Monday. So never associating fitness with something negative. Right. Our team's very competitive within our team in terms of playing time, in terms of role. Um, so players, if they're coming from programs where things are easy for them or they're used to winning championships and not necessarily needing to work for it or earn it, it's going to be a culture shock for them because our team's really competitive, but then also our conference is really competitive. We can go from being the 
uh, team for the first time in 15 years, which we had did this season, to then not making conference play. So that in itself shows the competitive, competitiveness of our conference. And then for me, you can probably tell a little bit on this conversation, I have a lot of energy. So I'm, I enjoy coaching and I'm you know, very animated on the sidelines. So if they're not used to a coach coaching in games and coaching and practices and having a lot of energy, that'll be a culture shock for them. So we're also, we want to find the right people that fit our program, but then we know those are the three things um, we want them to understand before coming into our program. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. And it reminds me of the conversation I had with my former college coach, Coach Alvarecia at Army with the lacrosse program. And what you just said, it, you really lay it out all, all on the line, what your program is about. Sometimes coaches want to sugarcoat what their program is, a little bit of brainwashing goes on, <laughs> you know, lower the expectations to try to get somebody who might be on the fence, but is a really good talent to try to bring them into the program. But I think the best way to go about it is how you're doing it. Hey, these are what we expect of our athletes at Curry. This is what you're going to go through. And that should weed out, you know, 50, 75% of, of the ill-intentioned players and athletes that might've snuck in otherwise. And then, like you said, they have a culture shock, they're disappointed, they're causing problems in other areas. So weeding them out by themselves is, is a good piece. And then obviously, you know, all the characteristics that you mentioned that you look for in an athlete. I think if you're an, if you're an athlete out there at the high school level and you're not focused on developing those traits, the, those are the traits you need to develop. Like you said, the skills, the talent, you know, it'll come, it'll be there if it is. It's something you got to work for as well. But if you have that talent without those character traits, you're not as attractive to, to coaches and programs that are the ones that you want to be at, that are going to set you up for life long-term. Because going back to that short-term versus long-term game, sports is about developing you as a person. It's teaching you life lessons. It's giving you skills that are transferable once you graduate college. For, because for the vast, vast majority of college athletes, your senior season is kind of the end of the line. And, yeah. and you're graduating and you haven't taken anything from your time as a college athlete other than, you know, I played a couple hours of soccer every day for four years and, you know, had some times on the field, uh, you're missing out on a lot of, a lot of what's there. So uh, I think for anybody out there looking to be recruited and, and understanding those aspects and, and any coaches who, who aren't laying it out on the line, I think you, you laid out some good advice for them there. For the times of, of conflict you may have had, whether it be your first two years at Curry or otherwise, is there a better situation where a team went through a time of conflict? And was there anything that the, the captains or leadership may have done to get the team through that? Um, any conflicts that we have, we address it. So we talk about the purple purple elephant we say purple kernel because we're the kernels so we always talk about the purple kernel pur purple kernel in the room um but you know i think for this past season specifically um we, we focus a lot on family and, and creating a family atmosphere and for first years coming in you know their high school experiences might be different their club experience their travel experience might be different and then having our first years respond well to each other and want to be a family. I think that was an adjustment. So 
we had our captains and our coaches uh, work with our first year class specifically. And we did, it sounds silly, but we did trust falls <laughs> like, to try and get them to trust each other um, and to respond well to each other because they were seeing it, how close our upperclassmen were. They saw how close our each class was as a unified group and then how, how close our returning group was. So they were seeing how positive it is to have a tight knit group um, and then getting our first years uh, to, to actually like each other. Um, we worked we worked at it and I think it made a big difference in how we started and ended our season um, specific specifically with that first year class. Um, but there are always going to be challenges. There are always going to be hurdles. So they're, you know, no, we're not all perfect. We can't expect them to be perfect. So it's how do we grow from it? How do we learn from it? And again, how, how can we be a family in good times and in bad? And that's what we really emphasize and work on. And our captains do a nice job helping manage that and creating that family atmosphere to look out for each other and support, continue supporting each other, even when things aren't going our way. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, Bridgette. And that's, uh, you know, the trust falls, you know, it might be uh, a little cliche or people might think it's cheesy, but there's a reason why those exist. There's a reason why it's an exercise, you know, whether you use it as an icebreaker for your first year players, or you use it as a, a real exercise to, to gain trust with, with your teammates. Like I said, you know, things like that don't last and don't stay around if they're not effective in some way or another, whether it be their original intended use or, you know, for, for some other kind of secondary or tertiary reason why you do it. So can't, you know, if you're not doing it, you, you got to try something. You know, if you're not if you're not out there trying to find solutions, and if, you know, if it works for you, that's awesome. And I think coaches sometimes may be a little hesitant to do that and to try things new. You don't know if it works until you try it once. So um, I applaud you there on that one. Uh, <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do you have any other advice for team captains looking for guidance and leadership development, or any advice for? for coaches out there that may be looking to utilize their captains more effectively? I think just take advantage of resources, outside resources um, within your potential institution to extended uh, local community. Um, and don't be afraid to, to utilize those resources. Um, I think that's where we've really grown as, as a program, as a team is, bringing in the United States Marine Corps to work with our team, um, having our players undergo different types of trainings and workshops um, on our campus than outside our campus. So I think don't be afraid to look what your area has, uh, look at resources um, within your institution, but then also outside your institution to help grow your program and help grow leaders within your team. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Great advice, Bridget. It's, you know, we hear it all the time from coaches and, and other leaders. Hey, it's okay not to have all the answers. You're not supposed to have all the answers. But then, you know, sometimes as a coach, you don't take your own advice and you kind of pretend like you do have all the answers for your captains. And I think, like you said, go out there, find some other resources. Like you found the, the, the captain's manual by Jansen. You reached out to the Marine Corps, the, the restorative justice program. You know, those are all things that you wouldn't have known to have or have known that they're so effective unless you were out there looking, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a, an apple's going to fall from the tree and hit you in the head and you're going to mm -hmm. get with something like that. Someone's going to fall on your lap, but nine times out of 10, there's stuff out there that you don't even know about and, and you have to go search. So 
think that's 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 awesome awesome advice Bridgetta. and uh we'll get get here to the end i don't want to take up too much more of your, your evening but got to get the uh my favorite question out of the way what is your definition of leadership my definition of leadership is someone who can inspire someone who can motivate someone who can show direction um, and bring those along with them. I think leaders can't do it alone. I think you got to have followers um, and you got to motivate and you got to inspire and believe in your followers and they have to believe in you. So I think inherently is the trust that you need to have and the belief that you need to have. Um, but you got to motivate and you got to inspire. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I get a different answer every time. That's why I love, love asking the question. And you know, your answer really makes me think about two of the tenets of leadership. We have two more tenets of leadership at the captain's coach. Uh, one being our second tenant that, that leadership is influence. You know, John Maxwell has said leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And that's really that, that inspiration, that motivation, bringing people along with you, being able to influence people's actions in a positive direction that you as a team or organization has set. And then that second piece about followers, and uh, at some point, the listeners, if I have any, are going to get tired of me saying this quote, but uh, a leader without followers isn't a leader. They're just walking. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. And it comes back to leadership is a service. It's another tenant. Uh, leadership is a service. It's not about you. It's, it's about your followers. It's not about how cool you can look. It's not about how great you can make yourself look. It's not about look at the results I can get as a leader. It's look at the results that this team, that this group of individuals can get. And yeah, I may have had a, a little bit of a nice little light touch to, to point us in the right direction. But at the end of the day, it's about those you are following. Because at the end of the day, if you're not there, that organization exists. But if that organization isn't there, your followers aren't there, you're, you're not a leader, you're a single person and, and you're gonna get nothing done. So I think that that's a great, uh, a great way to really boil it down there, coach, for us and, and it, makes it makes it real simple. And then uh, before, before I let you go, uh, do you have a book that you often recommend to, to your players or, or other coaches that you think is a really good tool or has a good perspective or lessons in, in terms of leadership or sports? Yeah, I've read a lot of different books. Um, there's mindset. There, my but my favorite one would be the Energy Bus by John Gordon. I don't know. That was just really. It's a fun read, um, but it also gets the message across. And they also, I looked at it. They make it for kids too, that are like oh, really, great. really little. So it's not only an adult book, but then you can even when you when you have kids, you can read it to your kids too. Um, so I think that's been a fun book. The Energy Bus by John Gordon um, talks about leadership with just a different, you know, fun light to it. Yeah, no, I, I only laugh because, again, um, my guest from, from a couple episodes ago, two nights ago, uh, Clayton Vanderlyn, the, the baseball coach at St. Thomas, yeah. he recommended the same exact book. Yeah. And then last night with Coach Kostecki, he we talked about the same kind of the, the concept of, you know, you can either bring energy or you can take energy. And, yeah. you know, coach Vanderlyn had, you can be an energy vampire. Yeah. Uh, my coach, coach Alvarisi always said you can be a radiator or a drain. It's just funny. I, nobody had brought up the energy bus until Clayton. And then now this is the third episode in the row that 
that the book has been mentioned. So I only laugh because of that. It is, it's a great book. It's a great yeah. book. Great. Um, a great read, like you said, and that's always because when books are, are, uh, you know, fun to read at that. So again, if you've been listening recently, there you go that you, now you have to go buy it. You have to get it, audible, anything you got, um, go pick up the energy bus. Well, thanks, Coach. Uh, I'm really glad we got you on the show for a little bit of time here. Some great insights, some great advice for coaches out there, even better advice for captains. Um, anybody listening, I'm sure, is, hasn't enjoyed this half as much as I have, then uh, they'll, they'll walk away happy. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, if you want to follow kind of, you know, insight into our program, we're on Instagram with at cc underscore w soccer so that shows a lot of what we do and we post a lot of what we do leadership wise and training wise so that's also a way you can kind of see what we're doing um out on the social media but i appreciate having me on the show and i'm excited to listen yeah 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 we'll for sure post all that in the show notes and 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 we'll be eager eager to follow along as well but uh thanks again for for taking some time out of your evening and and chatting with me Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Bullis. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.